Thank you for checking out the Faith City Church Podcast. We believe that you'll be blessed by today's message. As we get going this morning, actually, uh, my mom and dad are here today. Uh, Dr. Carl and Kathy Baransic. They started the ministry in 1981. Isn't that awesome? And uh, we're, we're here today because of what they did, the foundation they set, and it's so beautiful. My dad used to say this all the time, and I hope I get it right. He says, short pencil better than long memory? Yes. Is that how it goes? Short pencil long, better, longer? <laughs> sure. Maybe my dad should preach that. But, but anyway, that's the saying. So when we write stuff down, we remember it. And I want you, when you go out of here every Sunday morning, I want you to leave with something. Something that will change your life because Jesus changes lives. I know Jesus is the word of God and the scriptures point us to Jesus, the word of God. And as we see that, we start to experience truth. Jesus, he brought grace and truth to us. And how many know that time and truth will radically change how you feel, what you think, how you treat others, how you treat yourself? And so it's beautiful when we can come together and participate. Amen. So today I want to start a new series called The Greatest Gift. Say that with me. The Greatest Gift. And the text that we're going to use every single week, very familiar verse, is John 3, 16 and 17. Now I believe that 16 and 17 should always be read together because there's a context that's pointed out here. The Apostle John writes in Jesus' words. And we're going to start here. And I want to read this together. So we're going to put it on the screen. Or you can open your YouVersion app. But let's go ahead and do that now because we're going to read this together. Ready? Let's read. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be, what's that word? Saved. Man. God, out of his love, sent his son, and what's really beautiful is the Apostle Paul tells us that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Now, my daughter had never seen the movie The Shack. We were just talking about this last night, Devin, Jerry, and us, and then just like, oh my gosh, it was beautiful. And she had never seen it, so she came over. We stayed up late to watch The Shack last night. But one thing that, did someone say boo? Oh, you said ooh. I got nervous for a minute. I'll tell you some of the best theology I've ever seen on the Trinity. But the beautiful thing was, as as Max being talked to by Papa, at one point, he's like, you know what, just like like my daughter and Jesus, you you, you left us, you abandoned us, you left us alone. And and God says, no, look it, I was always there. And you saw the nail scar in Papa's hands. I just think that's beautiful. Because sometimes we get this idea that, you know, God sent his son to do the dirty work. But God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. That word reconcile in the Greek means to bring into favor. God favors you. He loves you. He craves relationship with you because you're sons and daughters. For some of us, we still believe that we're orphans and so we act like an orphan. But God's saying that you're a son and a daughter. I, I love this in the mirror translation. Listen to this. Just, just close your eyes for a minute. Listen to this translation of 16 and 17. The entire cosmos is the object of God's affection. And he is not about to abandon his creation. 
The gift of his son is for humanity to realize their origin in him who mirrors their authentic birth, begotten not of the flesh, but of the Father. In this persuasion, the life of the ages echoes within the individual and announces that the days of regret and sense of lostness are over. Verse 17. God has no intention to condemn anyone. He sent his son not to be the judge, but the savior of the world. Isn't that beautiful? We're talking today about the greatest gift. And, and most of us here, if we've been in church for any amount of time, we would understand that the greatest gift ever given was Jesus. And we could even say the greatest gift ever given was God himself. He gave himself to us because why? He loves us. It's a love story. And so through all of history, we see God working in uh, different levels of thinking and revelation of who he was all the way up to Jesus. And then Jesus came in to show us the true heart of the Father. So if you want to know what God is like, look to Jesus. I mean, every single time, look to Jesus. What did Jesus say? He came and he represented God. Hebrews tells us he was the exact representation or likeness of God. And so that's the picture we have of God. The greatest gift ever given was Jesus. Okay, we can go home now. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We're going to go on for about three weeks with this. We have three Sundays left before Christmas. And then we have, don't forget, our special candlelight Christmas service, uh, Friday the 21st at 7 p.m. So we, we encourage you. That's a really good place to invite friends and family who normally, you know, wouldn't darken the door of a church on a Sunday morning. Say, just come on out. We're just lighting some candles and singing some Christmas songs. But within that, we're going to show them the greatest gift ever given. So maybe it's an opportunity for them to awaken to their righteousness to awaken to who they truly are as sons and daughters. But we're going to talk about this a little bit because even though Jesus is the greatest gift ever given, when you unwrap this gift that we call Jesus, there's so many layers to the gift. And so in the next couple weeks, few weeks, I want to talk about these layers and these gifts because there's so many. I mean, it would, it would take 52 weeks to probably go through them all. But we can see these different layers of Jesus, who he is, who he is to us, and how he sees us. But have you ever seen those, those Russian nesting dolls? It's weird. In Russian, they call it the matryoshka doll. Say that, matryoshka. Say that with me. Matryoshka. See how I go into that? Well, I just went in the Russian there. The matryoshka doll. But do you know these dolls? Are you familiar? In fact, Dad, you used to have some in your office. Yeah, and the grandkids loved them. And by the way, just a little history. These were first made in 1890. And so what they are, these little dolls, and they, they separate in the middle, so the top and the bottom come apart, and there's another doll inside. Then you take that doll off, and there's another doll. How many are familiar with this? And usually they have beautiful hand-painted work on the outside, and, and they're just these beautiful dolls. But when you first see it, you're like, oh, it's just a doll. But as you open up, there's another layer. You open it up again, there's another layer. Now, another cool fun fact is that most of these dolls, they follow a certain theme. So if you're looking at it, there's a theme to what's going on, and it flows through each layer of this. And so it makes me think about this gift that we call Jesus. When we open up this gift, Jesus, when you find Jesus, or should I say when he finds you, right? Because we're lost and now we're found. When he finds us, as we start to unwrap this gift of Jesus, there's so many layers that run so deep in the theme is salvation. 
all through it, interwoven into creation. Every fiber of our being is salvation. Now, I think sometimes we sold ourselves short in this idea of soteria or sozo in the Greek. Because we think that salvation, we hear that word and we're like, oh yeah, I remember, I think I prayed that prayer. Someone told me if I pray a prayer, then I have a ticket to this place called heaven. Now, I love the fact that I'm going to spend eternity with my heavenly father. But that word salvation or saved, it means preservation, wholeness, deliverance, rescue, safety, healing. So think about this. As you unwrap this gift, you find a little more deliverance in a certain area of your life. You find safety and preservation in areas of your life. You receive wholeness and healing in broken areas of your life. And so as we unwrap this thing called Jesus, not just in this Christmas season, because, you know, look, at we have, we have gifts. By the way, those are, there's nothing in those gifts. So don't think about stealing them afterward. They're just empty boxes. You'll be very disappointed. Well, I only say that because we had a Christmas party last night, and uh, there's this game where there's presents in the middle, and there's girls and there's boys, and then you, we have numbers, and you pick your gift, but then you can steal gifts from people when it's your turn. I've never seen so much stealing in church <laughs> in my life. How many times did I say, my message just changed for tomorrow? I was joking, of course. We're just having fun with it. But you know, this is a time where we think of gifts and opening gifts and things like that. And I want us to think about the next few weeks opening this gift that we call Jesus. This Christ in us, the hope of glory. Amen? So today I want to talk about, in this The Greatest Gift series, I want to talk about a specific gift. It's called the gift of faith. Say that with me. The gift of faith. Faith, we could say, is trust. Faith is the ability to see God for who he really is. Faith is the ability to see what God has done for you. Faith is the way that we can access what God has already done for us. And so in this gift called faith, which by the way, it's a gift. We're going to see that over and over and over, this running theme of it being a gift. We're going to see that, wow, my faith can access what God has already done for me. I want to look at what the Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 12. And we're going to look at verse, let's go to verse 3. He says, For I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, look at this, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of what? Faith. Faith. Did you see that every man in there? Yeah. He dealt the measure of of faith. Now, this is beautiful to me because as we look at this, I think we're going to get a better understanding of what faith is and how we utilize faith in our own lives. See, God sent, or we could say gave Jesus to show us we could see God all around, living in and through us. And this is really the first step in that relationship with God as we start to, by that gift of faith, we start to see who we truly are, how God sees us. You know, sometimes we see ourselves completely different than God sees us. I mean, we can look in the mirror, we can look at maybe what we've done, uh, you know, addictions that we deal with, we need deliverance. See, that's salvation, that's how that works, right? And so we see those things, and sometimes I'm just as guilty as anyone else. I go, man, that's who I am. But see, God is right there, hasn't gone anywhere saying, nope, this is who you are. You're my son, and you're pleasing, 
and you're holy and you're acceptable and you're perfect. And you're like, perfect? How can I be perfect? Christ in you is your perfection. But see, it takes faith, it takes trust to really believe that. Amen? And so as we look into this idea, we realize that God gave Jesus to show us that we could see God all around living in and through us. And then the Apostle Paul goes on, he wrote a a letter to the Corinthians, and he tells us this, God's various gifts are handed out everywhere. This is cool. But they all originate in God's spirit. God's various ministries are carried out everywhere, but they all originate in God's spirit. You see a theme here? Look at this. God's various expressions of power are in action everywhere, but God himself is behind it all. I want us to see this because when we talk about the gifts that God gives us, we need to realize that he's behind every single gift. This life that we now have in Christ, everything's provided for life and godliness. Everything is provided. But faith accesses those things he's already provided. And so through faith we receive because we believe, amen? But look at this. It says, each person is given something to do that shows who God is. You ever thought about that? The gifting that he's given you is to show how awesome he is. How loving he is. We sang it this morning, he's a good, good father. Wow. How many people in this world don't know that he's a good, good father? I mean, that's huge. It says, everyone gets in on it. Everyone benefits. All kinds of things are handed out by the Spirit to all kinds of people. The variety is wonderful. And then he goes through a whole list. And you know what one of those gifts are? Faith. This is huge. Faith is a gift. Because sometimes I think we try to somehow create our own faith. And then have faith in our own faith. And God's saying, no, I've gifted you. I've given you the gift of faith. Now, can you grow in trust and faith? Of course. How does it happen? Through relationship. I've said it before, but when you first meet somebody, they're what? An acquaintance. Then maybe they they become someone that you just hang out, a friend. And maybe eventually they become an advisor, a confidant in your life. And then every so often, doesn't happen that often, we have these best friends, people who are really close to us. But what happens through that process of relationship with someone? How do they move to each level of friendship? Through trust. You have faith that they have your best interest in mind. That they have your heart in mind. It's the same thing with God. Why is it important that we pray? We spend time with God. We look into the scriptures who show us who he is. Because it brings you closer to him. It develops, it stirs up that gift of faith. And you begin to believe and trust his story about you rather than your own story about yourself. If you're struggling with things in your life and you're wondering, man, I've been trying and trying so hard and trying to have faith and, and willpower to really make this thing change in my life. Let me say something. Stop it. Have faith in what he has already provided for you. It's a whole different way to live. Does this make sense? And so faith is so vital in accessing the promises and accessing what he's told us is ours already. And I've got to stress it over and over because it's already been done. Your faith doesn't move God's hand. God's hand's already moved for you on your behalf. It's done. It's a finished work. And he says, do you believe? He's saying, do you trust me? But for some of us, if we had a a distorted picture of who God is, 
it's hard to trust. But I'm here to tell you this morning that God is a good, good father. Maybe you grew up in a home where you didn't have the best parents. Maybe one of them abandoned you. Maybe both of them abandoned you. Maybe they were, they were there, but they were absent. And so when you hear God's a father, you go, I think I said this last week, that's what I love about the shack, is that when, when Papa first appears, it's this beautiful black woman. Because Mac could not handle seeing a father figure at that point. Because his father was so abusive to him. But as the movie goes through, all of a sudden Papa changes, and now it's this father figure. He says, today, with what you have to do, you're going to need a father. And so I say that for someone here who maybe you've struggled with abuse in your life and a father, and you think, good, good father? You don't even know. But God is a good father. But listen, God, I believe, will be whatever you need him to be to you. He did it all through. I mean, think about even in Israel, he allowed them to sacrifice and have kings and all these things that later he says, I despise all this stuff. This wasn't the intention. It was a vehicle to get you to a place where we had intimate relationship together. I wasn't looking for you to be like every other tribe and nation on the earth. I wanted you to have this close, intimate relationship. Then show the world what it's like to have relationship with me. But they missed it. But I believe that God will acquiesce sometimes to our level of revelation so we can continue to move in relationship. God will do anything he can do to stay in relationship with you. That's beautiful to me. I've seen it in my own life. We've often heard this statement, walk by faith and not by sight. Walk by faith, not by sight. See yourself for who you are in Christ. That's what it comes down to. Because so many times as we travel through life, we're walking. And if we, if we operate according to sight, we're going to go off track because we see ourselves in a certain way. We see God in a certain way. And say, no, will you trust who I really am? And will you trust who I've said you really are? Because that's what's going to change the actions. It's not trying harder. It's realizing that's already who I am. You know, we, we act crazy and we act a fool when we've lost our identity, when we don't know who we are. But when you awaken to who you are, righteous, holy, pleasing, acceptable, you start to walk like that. Because if you think you're distant and dirty, that's how you're going to act. But if you really believe that you're close and you're clean, guess how you're going to act? Like who you truly are. And so that's the beauty of the gospel. God is continually trying to show us who we truly are that you bear my image and my likeness. I mean, even Israel, when he says, make no graven images. Remember that in the Ten Commandments? It wasn't because God was like, well, well, you can't make another uh, image. It's, I'm God, I'm God. Do you know that every nation surrounding Israel had images? They were, they were in stone and they were in wood and different things and they would worship these little images. And God was saying, listen, don't try to put me into a box. Don't try to form me into an image. You know why? Listen closely. Because you are my image. Wow. He was trying to get Israel to discover who they truly were. Because it goes on to say, do not take the name of the Lord God in vain. And somehow that got translated into saying GD. But what it's saying is, when you bear my image in this world, make sure that my image isn't taken in vain. Don't take advantage of it. Show people who I truly am. 
It's beautiful when you see it this way because it opens up this whole new world that God wasn't trying to put rules on people. These people came out of slavery for over 400 years and their mentality was one of a slave. And he was trying to introduce themselves to who they truly were. And by the first four commandments, he's saying, look it, put me first in your life because I know what's best for you. It's not because I have a big ego. It's because I love you. How many parents here have ever told your children, just listen to me, trust me, I've been through this. I'm saying this because I love you. And then the final six commandments, it shows what it looks like to live justly. This is what it plays out. When you follow me, when it flows through, when I flow through you, this is what it looks like to live in a society that's just completely different than anything at that time. I mean, if you saw the surrounding Egyptians, the Persians, the Babylonians, the Assyrians, these people were vile. They were violent. They were vulgar. I mean, they were slaughtering people and going to war and occupying and just, I mean, they would slay everything. Now, Israel got mixed up in some of that. But as we see, Jesus brings us to a point where he says, listen, the greatest commandment is to love others as I've loved you. And then he says this crazy line, love your enemies. What? How can I do that? Because when you flow in true love, which is, that's the commandment that's written on our heart, guess what? People no longer are your enemies. You start to see some, you know, I've started to, to, to notice people, Now I'm not perfect in this, but it becomes, it's become so much easier to see people and go, wow, they are struggling in their life. They're hurt, they're broken, and they're reacting out of brokenness. And then you get to this point where you're like, God, what can I do to demonstrate your love to that person? Because that's what they need. They need salvation. More than just a sweet by and by. They need healing and preservation and rescue and deliverance and wholeness right here, right now. And you are the vehicle. That's why the gift of faith is so important so we can access everything God has already provided for us, not just for ourselves, but for those around us. Because of love, God gave. Because you love, you give. You're his image. You're his image bearer in this world. It's a beautiful thing, amen? God gave us the tremendous gift of being made just like him. We are his kids. And all he says is this, only believe. The question is, do you trust your father? Do you trust his story about you. Jesus shows us who we are and what it looks like to live out of our true selves and our true identity. Now the Apostle Paul goes on in Romans chapter 1. Let's look at verse 17. He says, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written, what does it say? The just shall live by faith. Now when the Apostle Paul penned these words, he was actually quoting from a prophet named Habakkuk. And if we look at Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4, it says this in the mirror translation. Look at this. It says, righteousness by his, God's faith defines life. Let me read that again. Righteousness by his, God's faith defines life. I want us to remember something today. The faith that you have, it's a gift from God. So stir up those gifts. How do we stir it up? Relationship. Seeing how good God really is. 
And it changes the way that we see life. It changes the way that we see God. It changes the way that we see ourselves and the way that we see others. I mean, this is good news. The gospel is the revelation of the righteousness of God. It unveils how the Father succeeded in putting us right with him. It's about what God did right, not about what you did wrong. Too many times I think we turn the gospel into how bad you are. And God the whole time is saying, no, 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 no. I made you good and I put good gifts in you. You just need to discover who you truly are. And how do you do that? It starts with saying, wow, God is good. He is a good, good father. And as we do that, we start to discover who we are in that true, genuine identity that we have. Faith allows us to see and access what's already been given. We can't say this enough that it's by faith that we access what's already there. We don't create it out of thin air. That rhymed. Didn't mean to. My dad used to do that all the time, so I think it's, it's coming, folks. I'm getting in the flow. It's a vision for our life that gives us purpose. Amen? Helen Keller said something. This, this just blew my mind. She says, the only thing worse than being blind is having sight but no vision. Thanks, Helen. Say, thanks, Helen. The only thing worse than being blind is having sight but no vision. So you don't need eyes to have vision. Vision sees by faith. I think it was, was it last week or the week before when they opened Walt Disney World in Florida, I told a story about they're opening this up and someone went up to Walt's wife and, and they said something like, man, too bad Walt wasn't here to see this. And her response was, he already has. That's the reason that Walt Disney World was there is because he already had the vision and he saw it and that's what brought it out. But see, the gift of faith is what allows us to access what's already there. You looking for healing? You, you struggling financially? Are you struggling in your emotions? Are you struggling with, with some old relationship? You're trying to break it off? Are you struggling with some addiction in your life? The answer's already there. We access it by faith. We say, thank you for the gift of faith, and now we thank you by faith. We can access all the gifts you provided for us. Or we talked earlier, it's multi-layered. So take some time. Open up that gift to Jesus and look at all the beautiful layers he's provided. He's a good, good father. And the scriptures tell us that he gives good gifts. Man, that's so awesome. Look at who we are according to Paul's revelation here in Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, we're going to wrap up with this verse here. He's talking about who we are. And he goes here, let's start with verse 6. He says, and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Now, I love reading scriptures like this. There's a lot of words there, but are you picking up the attitude that the Father has towards you? It says that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace. Man, his grace is so good. In his kindness toward us. In Christ Jesus. I love these words here. Another portion of scripture tells us that the kindness of the Lord is what draws us to repentance. Repentance in the Greek is the word metanoia. It means we change our mind and then we turn. We're going to get some 80s going on here. <laughs> John's awesome, man. I love this guy. 
bring us in, John. (laughs) But it's the kindness of the Lord that brings us to repentance. It changes our mind about God and about ourselves. And it's so important that we see this. And then he says this, for by grace you have been saved through what? Faith. And that not of yourselves, look at this, it is the gift of who? God. All that stuff, gifts from God. And he says, not of works. Guess what? You don't have to work for your salvation. Stop trying. There's work to do in the kingdom, but you're not working for salvation that's already provided. That gift of faith is how you access what's already there, and then you start to walk it out. Isn't that cool? Said, lest anyone should boast. So we can't boast in this, but look at this. For we are his workmanship. He created us. Created in Christ Jesus for what? Good works. Which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Man, that's so beautiful to me. It's like everything is a gift. It's there. I've said this a lot that some, someone can offer you a gift They can walk up to you and say, hey, I got a gift. It's beautiful. It's shiny. It's got a bow on it. But you have to receive the gift, right? In order to take advantage of it, in order to participate in what that gift is, you have to receive. Like last night, people kept receiving gifts over and over from people. Yeah. But do you know that that word receive in the Greek means to take? whole new way of thinking of it. God is saying, listen, take it. It's yours. Don't beg me for it. It's yours. And I've even given you the gift of faith to believe that it's there and it's yours. In fact, look at this. I know I'm reading a lot of the mirror translation. If you do not have a mirror translation, pick one up. It is amazing. But look at this verse eight. It says, your salvation is not a reward for good behavior. It was a grace thing from the start to finish. You had no hand in it. But look at this. Even the gift to believe simply reflects his faith. Some people get scared with this kind of talk, but do you know that when you look in the mirror, you see God's reflection? When God looks in the mirror, he sees your reflection. If that doesn't move you, I don't know what will. That the creator of the universe put his image in you. And the sooner that we awaken to that, the sooner we will start to believe the truth about ourselves and the sooner we will begin to act differently. You know, some of us, we struggle with, man, I just, I see my actions in life and I'm really trying. Listen, see the image of God in you. The scriptures tell us that we are in union with Christ. And a lot of Greek today, but that word union actually means like concrete, like a, a concreted in, like it's a done deal. Jesus ain't going anywhere. He's your hope. He's your future. So do we really believe that he's given us his gift of faith, the, the, the access to even believe, reflecting his faith. Do we believe that? And if we do, we'll start to see what he's already provided for us and say, that is mine. We need to be like kids on Christmas morning. How many here have to beg their kids to take the present from them? 
None of us. We just, they just grab it and they start tearing it open with excitement, right? Socks. Thanks, Dad. Underwear. Now, for us, socks and underwear are awesome, but for kids, no, right? You'll thank me later, son, in about 20 years. They won't fit anymore. Okay, anyway. But receive those gifts. Take those gifts and and just start opening them up with excitement, saying, this is mine. And a lot of us, we don't do it because we don't think we're worthy. But guess what? You're worthy because the Father has created you to be worthy of all the gifts. Say the gift of faith. It's mine. In Jesus' name. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love and your grace and your goodness. We thank you that you have already provided everything that we need for life and godliness through Christ Jesus. It's a done deal. And we are united with Christ. And because of that union, we have access to everything. Now, that doesn't mean that life is perfect and hunky-dory and issues don't arise and circumstances don't come. Of course they do. But through those storms of life, you're there with us every step of the way. And so in, in some points of that journey, we have to access something you already gave to us called peace in the midst of the storm. How do we access that peace? By the gift of faith that you've given to us. Sometimes we need to access the gift of healing in our lives, maybe physical, maybe spiritual, maybe emotional, something in our soul that's broken and we're hurting. You, Holy Spirit, shine that light of love on those areas, those dark spaces. We begin to see truth instead of lie. Healing comes and we become more of the version that you created us to be, the person you've made us to be. And so we thank you. It started with your grace, the gift of faith that we can even believe and trust you. Say this with me this morning. Heavenly Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for the gift of faith. Thank you for giving me the gift to believe you. I received that gift. It's mine in Jesus' name. And right now, by an act of my will, I choose to trust you. I believe you, Heavenly Father. Thank you for your healing, Lord. It's going on right now through this place. You're healing broken hearts. You're healing physical bodies in Jesus' name. You're showing that love that you have for us, that compassion that you have towards us. And as we receive those things, I thank you that we then in turn, we we turn our gaze outward to those who are broken, who need healing and wholeness and preservation and deliverance and safety. And we now work out the salvation that you worked in to those around us, that we become vessels of healing and wholeness to this world. In Jesus' name. Everyone said, Amen. For more information about Faith City Church, please go to faithcity.tv. As always, we pray that you would grow in the knowledge and grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.